time for the Cubs Corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner, presented by Coach's Bar and Grill. Coach's is located at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. Great food, great people running the show over there, so as everything starts to open up a little bit more and we get over this pandemic, make sure you get to Coach's. Um, phenomenal ownership group there, Bob. I'm sure you'll agree. Once again, we have Robert Fiorante on the show, our AL expert. He's here to break down a little bit of Hall of Fame voting as well as give some predictions for the season. That is just about underway. Pitchers and catchers have reported to their prospective spring trainings, whether that be in Arizona and Florida. And Bob, take it away. It's just been a great sight to see. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Always great to be here great to do this with you absolutely agree with you coaches go hit it up if you have not yet um and i'm the one thing the one thing i'm excited for 162 this year um not 60 games and it is underway i've seen some twitter videos and i'm excited for you cubs fans listening jake arietta back in cubby blue through a bullpen today um obviously some departures this winter we can't ignore Kyle Schwarber, John Lester, Theo Epstein, Hugh Darvish among those. Uh, but some additions are, are, of course, welcome. Jock Peterson and Jake Arrieta kind of headline that group. On the flip side of town, the White Sox, it was pretty much all additions aside from uh, James McCann going over to be the New York Mets starting catcher. You guys added a, a couple of pieces, am I right? We did, and uh, everybody in spring is saying, hey, it's World Series or bust. It's, it's big talk. Um, obviously, you, you love that as a fan, but I would have liked to see him do a little bit more, maybe another starter, back-of-the-rotation kind of guy. Um, we did also lose Alex Colome, but we picked up Liam Hendricks, which was nice. Um, but you can really never have enough, enough pitching, especially coming off a short year. You don't know how arms are going to be. Michael Kopech coming back, so you might need some extra guys down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of executives are kind of in agreement that you're going to need about 10 starting pitchers to get through this season just because you probably took about five or six, maybe even seven to get through that 60-game season um, last year. Now you're stretching that out over 100 more games. That's over 900 more innings that these teams are going to have to cover. So when you really think about it, um, it's it's a lot for these pitching staffs, especially some of these younger ones, um, those White Sox included. Cubs as well as they've kind of shifted into a more younger rotation so it'll be interesting Um, certain rules are here to stay certain rules aren't Um, looks like they're sticking with seven inning double headers looks like they are not sticking with the universal DH at least for this year Um, and and there's there's some more that they're discussing I think they're going to still roll with uh, runner on second to start extra innings as well in 2021 before they get the uh, postseason agreement done um, the collective bargaining that'll probably implement a universal DH among other things. We've got one more year of these kind of wacky rules. Yeah, no doubt about that. For right now, um, the te- the players did not want an expanded playoff, which I thought was interesting. Um, they're sticking with five teams from each league. I think the main part of that is if you're like a middle of the pack team, you really have no incentive at the trade deadline to go for it because you'll probably squeak in there as a seven or eight seed. With five teams, you're either all in or you're all out, um, essentially, coming toward the deadline. So I think teams will be either more eager or more likely to sell one way or the other. Um, so that should be interesting. I'm, I'm in I'm in for the seven-inning doubleheaders. I kind of like that, especially because you don't know. You could have 
hopefully they don't, but there's probably going to be some cancellations, so you're going to still need to make up games. So the seven innings, I, I get that. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I think the Universal DH is probably now just 162 games of being a, a full-blown thing. I think the trade deadline is going to be a huge marker for the Cubs this season, whether or not they decide to trade some of those guys on their walk years or uh, go for it one last time with the group they have at hand. But like you said, only five teams are going to be making the playoffs uh, from each league. So with that, we're going to get right into our predictions. We'll start with the AL. You're the AL expert. It's your uh, conference. So I'll let you take it away with the AL Central. Yeah, the AL Central. How could I go with anybody else? I like my White Sox. Um, I like them especially in the early part of the offseason. Obviously, they added Lance Lynn, and they got Liam Hendricks before anybody else did anything. Um, the Indians obviously traded Lindor, which is nice for us. He is, he's been a thorn. Um, the Twins got Colome. They got a couple other smaller-type pieces. They got Nelson Cruz back, so they... Should be pretty good, but not. I don't think they're they're as good as the White Sox. So I'm taking the White Sox, and obviously the Royals um, shocked the world with the Ben and Pendy trade. Not sure where that came out of. So they, they they'll be competitive, um, but I do like the White Sox coming out of this division. Yeah, I uh, as a Cubs fan, I hate to agree with you, but I do. I think they're the strongest team in that division. I don't see it to be particularly close in that category. I've got the White Sox winning the division, followed by the Twins, then the Tigers, who are slightly on the upswing. Um, and then the Indians and the Royals to round out that division. I would not be surprised if the Twins get into the playoffs as a wild card team, but I think the division crown's going to go to the Shy Sox. We'll look over to the AL West. I'll lead us off this time. I like Joe Madden's Angels to figure it out in his second season at the helm. I know that division has been kind of topsy-turvy, especially with the Astros over the last couple of years. They've been really good. But last year they made the playoffs at a below 500 record, and I don't think they've gotten better this offseason. They've lost Springer, another aged year of Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. I don't think the Astros are going to be that good this season. I think they'll probably hover around 500 once again, which is why I've got the Angels winning, followed by the A's, then the Astros, Rangers, and Mariners. Yeah, so I, I'm, a, I'm with you on the last two. I think I'd be shocked if it's not the Rangers and the Mariners at the bottom, so that leaves the top three. Um, I'm also with you. I really like the Angels, um, mostly because the two teams that had a better record than them last year in the division, which, like you said, was the Oakland A's and the Astros. Um, Astros, like you said, got rid of Springer, and the A's got rid of Liam Hendricks. Um, they were two-seed in the AL. Almost made it to the ALCS. I'm not really sure why they uh, didn't make him an offer, why they didn't try to go for it more. They've kind of given up quite a few pieces this offseason, so I'm not sure what they're doing. So I like the Angels with all their star power, all the money they're spending. I think they come in first. Um, and I, I think, personally, the A's probably come in second. I really think the Astros are going to struggle this year, especially if there's fans in the stands they are going to hear it. Yeah, I'm with you there. Got to get Mike Trout to the playoffs. So it seems like we're in agreement in the West. We'll send it over to the East, and I'll let you lead us off. Yeah, in the East, I think we'll probably be in agreement again. I like the Yankees to win the division, um, especially they re-signing DJ LeMay. You kind of solidified it for me. Um, obviously, they've added some other pieces as well, some bullpen pieces. Some I don't remember exactly who. They weren't big names starters, but they added a couple starters because really all they had was Garrett Cole. Um, Tanaka will not be back, which he was pretty good in the playoffs. So I do like the Yankees. I like the Tam I like the Rays to struggle a lot this year. You know, I'm big on 
either winning the World Series or getting to the World Series, a little bit of a hangover the next year. Seems like it happens to everybody except the Dodgers. So I do think that the Rays are going to struggle, especially early. Especially they lost uh, Blake Snell as well. So I, I got them coming in fourth and the Orioles coming in fifth. And then the middle two, I like Toronto to be in second place fighting for a wild card. And then the Red Sox in third. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I've got the Rays above the Red Sox, but I do have the Yankees winning that division. I think they're the strongest team, um, especially if they're healthy. They really haven't been healthy in two two years, and they keep making the CS. So uh, I'll be interested to see them once they're healthier, if they can be healthy, because I think they can do a lot of damage in that American League. I think the Jays are right behind them, maybe a year away from being really good, but I think they make the playoffs this year as a wild card team. And then I got the Rays, Red Sox, and Orioles rounding out the AL. So for me, that is the Angels, White Sox, and Yankees winning a division, and the Jays and Twins getting in as wild cards. How about you? Yeah, I got the top three, the same three division winners. Um, personally, I don't know that the that the Blue Jays are there yet. I think they can, with Springer, they'll be fighting for the five seed. Um to be honest with you, I kind of like Detroit to be a sneaky one to get in there. I, I know we talked about that before. They were a tough team last year. They were fighting for the 8th seed, the 7th seed for quite a while before they fell off a little bit. So I think they'll be in the mix. Um, but I'm probably going to take the Oakland A's again because they make seem to make a run just about every year, no matter who's um, out there. They seem to win about 90-plus games for the last three or four years. So I'm going to take the A's and then... You know what, I'll take Toronto just because I feel like there's not a fifth power in the AL. All righty, and I won't make you go through seeding and things like that, but um, what do you think is your ALCS matchup? I think it's the White Sox and the Yankees. I think those are probably the favorites. I think those are the two strongest teams. Um, I think a lot of people would bet that. The Sox, people say they're, they might be too young. I feel like that was more the case last year. This year, Lucas Giolito's got a, a playoff start under his belt, a dominant playoff start. I think Dallas Keuchel will still be good in the games that you especially need him. Um, if he needs a couple weeks during the year, he'll get it. So I do like the White Sox to get there. And the Yankees are the Yankees. Like you said, if they stay healthy, there's no reason they shouldn't get there. Um, Garrett Cole and himself is going to, you know he's going to pitch 200-plus innings. So I like the Yankees, and I like the White Sox, and I feel like a lot of people do. Um I think the Angels could be close, but I don't quite see them getting there. They don't have enough pitching. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm i agreeing with you there, honestly, on the 1-2-3. Um, I think the Yankees and Sox match up in uh, the ALCS. I think, you know, a lot of people said this, the 2016 Cubs were too young, that they arrived a year early in 15 and, and everything like that. But that that lack of experience is also kind of a lack of pressure. Um, and it allows those guys to kind of play free. That's what I saw in 2016 with the Cubs. So maybe we'll see something similar from the White Sox this season. But I do like the Yankees and the White Sox to face off to go to the World Series. We'll shift gears into the National League here. I'll start with the Central. Um, not a lot of teams made moves for a long portion of the offseason. The Cubs were the only team who added any type of payroll um, with Jack Peterson, Jake Arrieta, Trevor Williams, etc. But the Cardinals did kind of shock the winner when they traded for Nolan Arenado. So that lineup, although it did lose a couple of pieces, God bless it. 
they did acquire Nolan Arenado. So, I mean, they did lose a couple of pieces, but adding Nolan Arenado is a huge boost to any lineup. Pairing him with Paul Goldschmidt, the middle of that order is going to be very scary. I think to a lot of people that puts the Cardinals as the favorite in that division. Um, but on the Cubs Corner podcast, I will not sit here and tell you the Cardinals are going to win the division over the Cubs. It might be the smarter bet, but I'm going to take the Cubs to win the division. I think they've got a nice mix of veteran presence, but also some young talent. Obviously, they're not as good as they've been in the past few years, but neither is the rest of the NL Central. I think they do just enough, maybe 84, 85 wins, gets the job done there, and they squeak into the postseason, followed by those Cardinals, the Brewers, the Reds, and the Pirates. Yeah, so I'm right there with you. I think mid-80s probably gets it done in the NL Central this year. Um, You see that once in a while. Like you said, nobody was really doing stuff um, in in most of the offseason, except for the Cubs selling quite a bit. And then they started to add a little bit. So I I did like those couple moves toward the end. I'm going to take the Cardinals to win the division. Um, I I think the Brewers are a little bit underrated. Craig Council, I, I think, is one of the top five managers in baseball. Um, Chris Yelich had a brutal year. Lorenzo Kane opted out. They never really have enough pitching, yet they still found themselves in the playoffs. Um, he manages that bullpen really well. So I do think they'll be neck and neck, Cardinals and Brewers. Um, but I think the Cardinals edge them out, win the division. Brewers in second, Cubs in third, Reds in fourth. And the only staple is that the Pirates are coming in fifth. Yeah, I think that's a pretty much guarantee. It's also interesting, you look at the Cubs, um, with some of the moves that they've made, that these one-year deals, and also all these guys that they have on walk years, like Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, etc., um, it really positions themselves for the trade deadline to matter a lot. Because if they're having a, a bad year as a team, but these individual guys are playing well, they have a lot of teams that are going to be looking for these guys on one-year deals that they could trade for, build up some of that prospect capital, and kind of re rebuild on the fly but then at the same time if they're looking like they have a shot to win they can add a little bit and still have a lot of money come off the books at the end of the year so I mean as as much as I've criticized them they don't shape up to have a terrible situation come July 31st but we'll take a look at the NL East in my opinion the most loaded division in baseball this team I mean this division has five teams that I would not be surprised if they make the playoffs um, the Nationals coming off a year where they won the World Series were pretty bad last year. Kind of you predicted that. I had a feeling as well. Um, but they've added. They added Josh Bell. They added uh, John Lester, Kyle Schwarber, a lot of pieces to that lineup. But they also are returning another year of Juan Soto, which is really exciting for them. The Mets, new owner, they added Francisco Lindor, um, Carlos Carrasco, James McCann. They've made some other moves, so they've gotten better. Um, the Marlins made the playoffs last year. There's no reason not to believe that they'll grow this season. And the Phillies, I mean, they still have one of the highest payrolls in the league, and that doesn't even take into account the Atlanta Braves, who won the division last year. For me, I'm going to take the Atlanta Braves to win it, followed by the Washington Nationals, and then the Mets, then the Marlins and the Phillies. I would not be surprised if this division has three playoff teams, but I'm not quite predicting it. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of ways that this, this division can go. Um, I like what the New York Mets did. Um, I've seen Francisco Lindor for about six years probably um, now, and I, I feel like his big he struggled a little bit last year, especially early. I feel like a big thing is he had to do it all for that Cleveland lineup. Him and Jose Ramirez, that was 
essentially all they had, really all they had. Um, so I think in a in a much more balanced lineup, they're not the the, the best lineup out there, but the Mets are a much better lineup um, than Cleveland had last year. So I think Lindor is going to have an MVP type season. Um, I really do. I think he's going to be the running for the MVP. So I like the Mets to win the division. It's always been the Mets had great pitching the Mets, for the last probably five years. Um, and I think their pitching isn't quite as good as it once was a few years ago. But I do think it's enough to win the division. So I like the Mets in first. Um, I like the Phillies in second. I just think at, I, I've been on the Phillies for about two years now. Um, and at some point, they just can't go 500 anymore. Like, come on. They've gone <laughs> about 500 the last couple of years. It's ridiculous. Um, I think this year they get to 90 wins and make the playoffs. Um, but it is a t- it's a very tough division. I mean, everybody's writing off the Marlins again. They made the playoffs last year. It's tough. So um, in third, I like the Braves also fighting for the playoffs. In fourth, I like the Marlins. And I think the Nationals come in last. Um, and I think they have a hangover part two. They start slow, and they just never quite recover. Um, I, I do think Juan Soto is the second-best player in baseball, but they come in last. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm going to put it on the books here so nobody can say I didn't say it. I think Juan Soto wins his first of many MVPs this year in the National League. Nobody else really jumps out. I could see a Dodger uh, like Mookie Betts having another really good year, Nolan Arenado in in uh, in St. Louis, or even Tatis who just signed a 13-year or 14-year $340 million deal. That's insane. Um, but I think Soto is my early favorite to win the MVP in the National League. I'm just going to put that uh, out in words right now before we get into the NL West. Who looks... and wait, wait, write me down for Frankie Lindor to win the MVP. All right, those are our those are our bets. If you guys want to take those and go play some wagers on them, you look at the the NL West and it's a two team race, and those two teams are arguably the two best teams in the entire league. The Los Angeles Dodgers just won a World Series and only added, and who'd they add? The Cy Young Award winner. In Trevor Bauer. So they're looking a lot better. You look at the next team down the list, the San Diego Padres, they inked their man, Fernando Tatis, um, and their lineup was loaded last year. And then you throw in you Darvish, Blake Snell, and some other moves, and they, they're they looking like a formidable threat to those Los Angeles Dodgers. So I think Dodgers won, Padres two, both make the playoffs, slam dunk kind of. After that, the Giants, who I think will be in the mix for a wild card, probably not win it, but they'll be hanging around. And then the D-backs and the poor Rockies, uh, without Nolan Arenado, it's it's really Trevor Story's team, and I would not be, be surprised if he's gone by July. Yeah, the the one thing I, I really think is going to happen in this division is that the Rockies come in last. Um, I mean, you can't sell a superstar like that and expect to uh, do much. So I do think they come in last with around 55 to 60 wins. Um, I like the, I don't know, I probably like, the Dodgers to win the division. Um, but those, I think it's 18 matchups between those two teams, the Dodgers and the Padres this year, both top five pitchers on starting pitchers on each team. It's going to be unbelievable to watch. They'll probably have about four um, nationally televised games between those two. Could even be the NLCS. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, but I do like the Dodgers to win the division. Um, I just think they've been there. They've done that. Um, Padres will probably get out early and win some games, but come July, come August, I expect the Dodgers to take the lead. So I like Dodgers, then Padres both make the playoffs, like you said, both 92-plus wins. 
Um, and then I like Arizona in third. I feel like they're always they're, they're kind of similar to the Phillies in that they're around five hundred. Um, they're not bad. Like you can't overlook them, but they they're not going to be a threat either to win anything big. So I like them in third. Giants in fourth, and Colorado in last. All right, there you have it. Um, so I've got division wise Cubs, Braves, and Dodgers, and then I've got the Nationals and Padres as wild cards with the Mets just missing the playoffs. I'm going to take the Braves against the... I'll do Braves against the Dodgers to go to the World Series in the NLCS. What about you? Wow, Braves get back to the NLCS. Repeat NLCS. That's interesting. I like Mets, I like Cardinals, and I like Dodgers and Padres. Those four for sure for me. And then it's between the Phillies and the Brewers for that fifth seed. Um, I think it's going to come down to the wire, probably 88, I don't know, maybe 85, 86, 87 wins. Um, but I do think that the Phillies do it. They get to the playoffs. Aaron Nola might win them a series. Um, but either way, I like those five. And I like the Padres and the Mets in the NLCS. I think it'd be fun. Um, I think the Dodgers, now that they won, they might step back a little bit. Not totally, especially not in the regular season. But I don't think they get back to the World Series or even the NLCS. I like Padres and Mets. All right. That'll be a very interesting series. I think it'd be great for baseball, two teams that don't get there all that much. Um, So my World Series prediction is the Yankees against the Braves. Um, I don't know who I think is going to win, but I just wanted to throw that out there. If you've got one, you can do it as well. Yeah, I'm going to take the White Sox because how could I not? Um, I think they get there, and I think they play the Mets for a fantastic series. And I think Frankie Lindor gets us again because he gets us every time we play him. Um, so that should be nothing new. And even that'd be tough because James McCann against us too. Um, that would be tough. But I do think it's going to be the, the the New York Mets and the White Sox, maybe the two lesser teams in each city getting to the World Series. I was just going to say the second team in each city in terms of popularity won't be the right. second team in terms of success here in 2021 it'll be definitely something to keep our eyes on that'll end our prediction talk we're going to shift gears here into the hall of fame it's something me and you talk about extensively every year this year um nobody got elected into the hall of fame and among those who were close kurt schilling was only 15 votes away at 71 percent barry bonds and roger clemens right around 61 percent scott Rowland around 53 percent and omar viscal right around 50 percent the other ones, some some new ballot guys who I think might gain some traction over the years, Andrew Jones, Mark Burley, um, players like that. I know you've got um, a lot to like about Burley. And then you've got the guys like Manny Ramirez and Sammy Sosa who are close to their end on the ballot, hovering around 20%, 17 28 things like that. But before we get into why nobody got in, I want to read here um, – the description to be a Hall of Famer, what they tell the voters to vote on. Each Hall of Fame candidate must have been retired for at least five seasons and have played at least one game in ten seasons in Major League Baseball. Inductees are selected by careful examination of their qualifications, including playing record, character, and integrity. Each inductee must receive 75% of the vote to be a successful candidate, A separate veterans committee selects candidates who retired at least 21-plus years ago. So looking at that, I have no problem with nobody getting in this year. Yeah, 
I agree with you. I mean, you look at the guys who quote unquote had Hall of Fame careers, um, and and what they're lacking is that integrity clause. Um, you got your Barry Bonds, your Kurt Schilling, who, by the way, requested to take his name off the ballot and wait for the special veterans committee. I think that's that's what you call it. Um, he does not want to be on the ballot again. He thinks that these men, they're they're probably old white guys, that they're gonna they're gonna be all for him. So that should be interesting. I don't think that they're gonna take him off the ballot, but they might. Um, so I, I don't think that he goes in. But you look at that integrity clause. It's that one word that I do think gets in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, it's it's two things. It's integrity and character. For me, integrity eliminates Bonds, Clemens, Manny Ramirez, Sosa. Next year, it'll probably knock off David Ortiz and Alex Rodriguez um, because they did not play with integrity. They cheated. I mean, there's there's no way around that. Same reason Mark McGuire is off the ballot now. And then you look at character. That's where Kurt Schilling and Omar Vizquel get dinged because they've involved been involved in um, either racist or domestic violence incidents over the last couple of years. So, I mean, if you're looking at the full candidate like it says they should, those guys shouldn't be Hall of Famers regardless of what their numbers say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's the one thing. Is. For me, it's, it's like you mentioned Big Poppy and Alex Rodriguez. I agree with you that by that definition, you might not be able to put them in, but I would be shocked if both, neither one of those guys or especially if both of those guys don't get in. Yeah, I would too because here's, here's the thing. Bonds and and Sosa and Clemens, they never served suspensions for their PED use, if I'm not wrong. But A-Rod did. He he lost a full season. So, I mean, he, he already sort of paid his price, I guess. Um, and then with Ortiz, his situation was a little bit cloudy because he said it was medicine. He didn't know it was a performance enhancer. And I don't think he even served that big of a suspension. So... That one's an interesting case. I personally wouldn't have a problem if he made the Hall of Fame. I think um, if you think about baseball, you think the best at each position designated hitter. There's nobody else better than David Ortiz. So I think he should be oh, no doubt. He should be in the Hall of Fame for that reason alone. But here's my problem with Major League Baseball. Your home run leader and your hits leader are both not in the Hall of Fame. So you either got to take those home runs and hits away or put them in the Hall of Fame, right? You know what? It's it's different. They're very different, in my opinion. Um, Pete Rose is a Hall of Famer in my mind. Um, I agree. I don't know if you, yeah, if you agree with that or not. So he's the hits leader. Nobody's close. Um, he should one hundred percent be in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds is a different story. I mean, you even nobody looks at Pete Rose and, and says, like, remember when John Carlos Stanton said, "I'm not chasing whatever Bonds' number for the year was. I'm chasing." Uh, I think it was either Hank Aaron or Mark. I don't know who it was. But somebody else, like he completely disregarded Barry Bonds's um, yeah, record. Yeah, Roger Maris. It was an individual year. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, you right? You look at that, and it's like nobody's saying that about Pete Rose. They're different cases, but I see what you mean. It's a tough scene. It's tough to look at because, like, you look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's he's in the Hall of Fame. He's the points leader. It works nicely. Yeah, and then when you think of it even further, the the question is like, oh, should they add a steroid wing to? kind of recognize what these players did to grow the game despite cheating to do it. That way these guys still can somehow make the Hall of Fame. I don't know if that's where they decide to go. It's just, it's not a good look when, A, you don't elect anybody, and it's also not a good look when these guys um, have these mammoth records and don't get rewarded with the Hall of Fame for that. So it's 
it's a slippery slope for sure. It is, and they're kind of getting away with it because of COVID. Um, they, there was no inductions last year, so um, Walker's going to get in this year, and, and I forget the other couple guys, but there will be a few guys getting in because there was no ceremony last year. So it'll look okay because you'll still get a couple guys this year. Yeah, and the Veterans Committee still might select somebody else, and you forgot my guy Derek Jeter. He'll be getting in this year right, right, as right, well. Right. I think. Um, I also think it's, you know, I'm with you the way you said Pete Rose is the hits leader. Nobody disputes that. I feel like it's the same way. Nobody disputes that despite his number not being at the top of the list, Hank Aaron is the home run king. So I also right, find I it, would agree with that. it would be very disrespectful or insulting even to let Barry Bonds into the Hall of Fame the same week that Hank Aaron passed away um, a couple of weeks ago. So that's another thing that I feel like voters might have had to take into account. They probably did. I mean, it's unfortunate that it happened that week. Like, that shouldn't be one of the one of the things, but it probably did get in their heads a little bit. It's uh, Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see. I guess we'll see next year if it changes. Next year, I believe, is the last year for Bonds, Sosa, and Clemens on the uh, ballot. So it's their last chance before those the veterans get them in, in uh, 15 years, I believe. Um, and it's the first year for Rodriguez and Big Poppy, so we'll see how they go. Do you think those guys get in next year, or do you think there's going to be a new steroid wing? What's your prediction, if you had to guess? I don't think those guys get in. They have been steadily growing, especially Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling's been growing slowly um, over the years, um, but he's never he he was at like seventy three, seventy four percent this year. Um, but obviously, he didn't get in. I don't think they get in. I think. Um, it's their second to last year, and I think people kind of realize if we're going to vote them in, we're going to vote them in now. And even Schilling being that close was 15 votes away. That's kind of a lot to, to change the mind and like the whatever of 15 voters. So I don't think it happens, um, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. My prediction would be that all, how many ever of them, if they don't get in, get in with the Veterans Committee. Yeah, I would not be surprised. I think. Someday, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and, and those guys will get recognized by the Hall of Fame. I don't know if it's by the Veterans Committee or, or some type of steroid part, steroid PED era wing of it. Um, but it's impossible to tell the story of baseball without a lot of those guys. So I feel like in some sense they will be. Um, I don't think it'll be next year, though. I really don't, um, especially if, if Schilling wants his name off. I don't think he'll get in next year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. It's also quite possible that the voter pool changes and you get 15 people that are believe that those steroid guys should get in. And so, like, I mean, we never know how that's going to go. But as it stands right now, this year, nobody gets in. Um, but this summer, like you said, Jeter, Walker, and some of the other veterans will be celebrated this year. Is it a is it a rotation like some people vote for Cy Young MVP and then some people vote for Hall of Fame but they're all the same pool of people is that how it works? I don't exactly know. So I think um, so you have to be an active member of the Baseball Writers Association and I don't know how active works and I don't know how long you can stay active. But I'm sure like similar to the way players are on the ballot for a certain amount of time, voters can only vote for a certain amount of years or something like that. But I think out of all the people who vote for the Hall of Fame, there's 400 of them. They split those up uh, based on markets um, to vote for 
Cy Young, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year in, in both leagues, I'm pretty sure. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, yeah, like you said, you might get a little switch of a couple guys getting in, but I, I, I agree with you. I don't think next year's the year for them. Um, but, but with that being said, I, I really think Big Poppy and A-Rod get in. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if they didn't. We'll keep our eyes on that for sure. But that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Bob, for coming on the show once again. Always, man. Thanks for having me. We'll probably pick this up in a few weeks when the season has began. begun. Sounds good to me. As always, this episode brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill and available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and the Cubs HQ website. Make sure to check it out. But for now, thank you all for listening, and thank you for coming to the Cubs Corner.